Thanks, Sean. Uh, praise God. Um, praise God for that. Uh, we we had uh, we we schedule out our you know testimonies and things. We have testimonies for membership and for uh, we'll be hearing from those who went to Urbana. We have uh, 101, 201, all kinds of different testimonies. We kind of schedule them out uh, weeks in advance, and so this was uh, we had uh, planned to have Sean share for quite some time. But um, as I hear him sharing again, I realize, man, this is. Uh, pretty much everything he said is what I'm about to talk about now. And so um, if you want to fall asleep, um, then make sure you listen to his talk again, uh, because there'll be a summary of what I'm going to say here. Uh, a few years back, I was flying, um, I was flying back home from, from some kind of a trip, and I was sitting at the airport. It had been kind of a, a little bit of a stressful trip, and so uh, I remember praying to God and saying, Lord, it would be really nice if uh, you could upgrade me to first class on this flight back home. I think it was from like Texas or something like that. It wasn't a long flight. Uh, and just kind of, you know, threw that out there. And now while I was sitting at the gate, uh, the gate attendant, the ticket lady, the counter lady uh, called my name on the loudspeaker, David Kim, David Kim, United Flight, such and such. If you're here, please come to the ticket counter. I went up there and she said, we've got a new boarding pass for you. And lo and behold, <laughs> I've been upgraded to first class. This was great. I pray this a lot, but it doesn't always come true. But this one, God answered. I said, yes. And so I was so excited that I went on social media. I went on Facebook and I said, hey, Leo, look at my seat. This is amazing. I prayed to God and he gave me a first class upgrade. And, and I got a message in my uh, Facebook message, my mailbox, maybe you know, sometime after that. So one of my friends from high school, friend from high school, Vietnamese person, and they don't uh, they don't know the Lord, they don't follow the Lord, but they, they've been through a lot of hard stuff in life. And the message basically said, is it okay for you to pray for things like that? Can you really pray for a first-class upgrade? I thought prayer was supposed to be for things like fighting poverty or to help people who don't have food or to get clean water to those who are in need. Is it okay? And so I responded back. It was an honest question. There was no attack. There was no cynicism. Just really wanting to know, is that okay based on your understanding of the Christian faith? You ever feel like that dilemma? Like, I know we've got these huge, massive things to pray for. Is it okay for me to actually pray that I could move from economy to business class? Is that okay for us to pray for? A few weeks ago, our family went to SeaWorld. We have these uh, annual passes. Last year, 2015, the five of us in our family went to SeaWorld for $149.08 total, right? Because the three kids were all young, and either they were too young to need a pass to get in, or they had a preschool pass, which SeaWorld gives to kids who are five and under who are in school. And so they were free, and then uh, Olive and I score. We got a buy one, get one free annual pass, and so it was excellent free parking, the whole nine yards, $149, and we were very excited. So we went to SeaWorld a few, uh, few weeks back, in order to try and have one last hurrah before these uh, annual passes expired. And we got to the thing, uh, the, the, the lady said, well, this one person, Elijah, uh, Elijah, there's some issues. And what's the issue? During 2015, the year started out where he didn't need a pass at all, right? But he turned three during the year, and so at the end, he needed a preschool pass, which we had, but they couldn't pull it up. And so uh, while we're waiting, I said, Elijah, you got to pray that you get into SeaWorld. Okay? Pray that you get into SeaWorld because if you don't, then you're going to have to wait in the car while the rest of us have fun. 
Um, I didn't, yeah, that's obviously, we wouldn't do that. But I said, Elijah, pray so that you can get into SeaWorld. And the lady who was working there, she seemed completely perplexed. She asked one, two, three, four people came over, were huddled around her until finally she said, all right, Elijah, here's Elijah's pass. And we're all able to go in. And Elijah was rejoicing and jumping up and down that God answered prayer and that we could enjoy our time at SeaWorld. Again, the question arises, is it acceptable for us to use prayer to pray that we could enjoy time at SeaWorld? Especially as we've been studying this Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, these massive, earth-shaking, world-changing, God-honoring, eternity-moving kind of prayers that the priority of God in prayer is that the name of God would be ultimate. Not our name, not SeaWorld's name, not Elijah's name, but God's name, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. That's the ultimate aim of prayer. And towards that end, God's kingdom would come and his will would be done. These are mountain-moving prayers. These are kind of prayers that shake the foundations of the world and that, that knock down strongholds. Can we pray for a first-class upgrade and for us to get into SeaWorld? Do you feel that, have you ever felt that tension? I was talking with someone this week, and they said, in light of what we've been, been studying about the Lord's Prayer, it feels weird for me to ask about God's help on this test I've got. Or it feels weird asking God to help me to uh, have all the lights be uh, green so that I can make it to to, to work on time. You ever feel that tension in your heart between this massive stuff that we've been talking about that Jesus actually told us ought to be the priority in prayer and, and then what we actually pray and what we want to pray and what other people tell us we can pray for? This is a tension that I want to help us to sit in and then to come to grips with as we look at this fourth teaching in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read verses 9 through 13, and to read it again in the, the whole Lord's Prayer in context. We're going to focus today on one simple verse, six simple words, uh, Matthew six eleven. This is God's word, uh, Jesus teaching his disciples this prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is God's word. So we've looked at the first half up to verse 10 so far, and we've seen that the first half focuses on the things of God. Starting in verse 11, it shifts to focus on the things that we're concerned about, the things that become a priority to us. In the first half of the Lord's Prayer, the key word is your. In the second half of the Lord's Prayer, the key word is our. The first half deals with these huge mountain-moving, huge, massive things that God wants us to pray for. And then the second half focuses on things that seem a little bit more just kind of normal. The first half of the Lord's Prayer is majestic, and it's lovely, and it's spectacular. But then the second half is a little bit more mundane, a little bit more lowly, a little bit more simple. 
what do we do with this prayer? In particular, in the point where it says in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. What does that mean to a people like you and me who probably have never prayed this prayer before in our lives and meant it sincerely? Give me today my daily bread. What does this mean? I want to help us to unpack this by looking at uh, several words, right? Six words give us today our daily bread. I want to focus on what bread means, what daily means, and then what it means to give us our daily bread. The first thing that, the first thing that this teaches us, right, uh, give us today our daily bread, shows that our Father, right, our Father in heaven wants us to pray for what we need. Okay? He wants us to pray for whatever it is that we need. God wants us to pray for whatever we need. Give us today our daily bread. Again, when's the last time you prayed this prayer? If, if, this was, if I was preaching this uh, yesterday morning, then my answer to my own rhetorical question would be, oh, the last time I prayed this was never. Because I don't think I've ever prayed this. But yesterday, okay, yesterday, I prayed this prayer. Here's why. I ate breakfast with my family at home in the morning. I went to church, had dinner meeting in the evening. When I got to church, I realized, holy cow, I'm going to be at church all day, and I didn't bring lunch. What am I going to do? And because today I'm preaching on this passage, give us today our daily bread. About 12 o'clock, I started getting hungry, and I said, God, my Father in heaven, would you give me today my daily bread? And I just kept on going about my business. About an hour later, I wanted to take a break from doing what I was doing, and I was walking around. I went to the restroom, I washed my hands, and I came back, and in the conference room were three slices of pizza <laughs> waiting for me. I said, yes, thank you, God. You always provide. This one time I actually prayed, give me today my daily bread, and you did. And I went into my office, and I ate that pizza with all gratitude in my heart. But think about it. When's the last time you prayed this prayer? Because we don't usually ask for our daily bread. Not in this culture, not in this world of affluence, where you don't have it, you can go buy it. And if you can't, don't have money to buy it, you can borrow a credit card and charge it. We don't go hungry usually, not us, not in here, not in our culture, not in America, not in our day and age. And we live actually in a culture that does the opposite. Instead of asking and depending, we're very good at wasting. Did you know that every year we in America waste $165 billion in food? We waste more food than many nations actually eat. So next time you have house church at your house, or next time you have house church meeting, period, where you have people over, watch how much liquid waste you throw out in half-drunk cans of Coke or 7-Up, or how much liquid waste goes into your red Solo cups or blue Solo cups, and at the end of the night, the host or hostess is dumping it down the drain. Or think about how much food gets thrown out on a plate of food when you're done and goes into the trash can. Or how many times have you looked in your refrigerator and said, ooh, I need to throw out those leftovers from the restaurant because you forgot it was in there. Or how many times have we eaten at a restaurant and there was enough that we could eat maybe a snack tomorrow, but we said, no, I'm not going to bag it up. I'm going to throw it out. We live in a culture of waste, food waste. And so it's very rare that we actually pray this kind of a prayer, Lord God, give us today our daily bread. But this was a prayer that reflected 
the cry, the daily prayer of every person who lived in Jewish culture at the time that Jesus was talking. For them, bread was their staple. I mean, if Jesus was talking to a Latino or an Asian culture, he would say, this then is how you should pray. And he would say, our Father in heaven, give us today our daily rice, right? Because we understand that a little closer to home. Bread was to the Jewish people their staple. Every meal, they would try to eat bread. And it was everything to them. And they understood that in order for bread to be given to them, it required utter and absolute dependence upon God to do. That a tiny grain of wheat or, or, or whatever it is that makes bread goes into the ground, and then God has to cause the rain to fall. He has to cause the sun to shine, to water it, to allow the roots to go deep in order that bread would actually be available. Every time they ate bread, the scholars say, they knew they were holding in their hands a literal miracle. So when Jesus did this miracle of feeding 5,000 people, literally they were seeing before their eyes the answer to that prayer, give us today our daily bread, that which they didn't have. Months of wages wouldn't be able to feed all of these people, but bread from heaven came down and Jesus provided. And it says that it was so important to them that 12 baskets were left over. They didn't throw it out. They collected 12 basketfuls and they remembered that because it was important because they didn't waste any of that because they knew it was depend- they were dependent upon God for it. And every day, they would go before the Lord God. If it's a season of drought, which often happens, a season of famine, they're not going to eat. They're completely at the mercy of the provision of God. And so Jesus says, pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and all these things. And second half, give us today our daily bread. Literally, they meant that prayer. To the point where if bread fell on the ground, they would pick it up, they would dust it off, and they wouldn't eat it, but they would leave it out for an animal to come and eat because they valued that process, and they knew that God was the one who provided bread for them. And so they were completely and utterly dependent upon God for it, and so they prayed for it. In, I think, 2007, a group of us went to, went to North Korea, and I remember I have pictures of Olivia and Joyce making bread in a bread factory that, uh, that we were working with. And as they're making bread, we would take that to the children of North Korea, their elementary schools, and we would bring it in, and and they would eat it, and these robotically trained, programmed rows of children, as they would get their bread, the teacher would say, what do you say? And in unison, they would say, thank you. And in unison, they would say everything that they'd been instructed to say, and at the end of it all, they would thank their great leader, Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, for giving them the bread that they would not have if it wasn't for him. That's what they think. This comes from our great leader. When they don't have bread to eat, they understand that they're completely dependent upon the mercy of another. And so they give praise and thanks and gratitude in dependence upon the one who was their great provider. The person was wrong, but the sentiment was right. And it's the sentiment that the Jews had understanding that everything that they have comes from God. So how do we pray this prayer if we haven't known what it is to hunger? We haven't known what it is to starve. If we haven't known what it is to go a day without having two or three meals to eat. How do we pray this prayer? Martin Luther, he wrote this book called The Smaller Catechism where he explains the Ten Commandments, he explains the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things that he says is this prayer, give us today our daily bread, is not only asking God to provide us with our physical sustenance for a body, but he says, but also everything else that the body needs 
to live. And then he goes on to begin to list things like food and drink and clothing. But then he goes on to talk about things like dignity and honor and a spouse and friends. He says basically anything that you need, this is encapsulated under this prayer, give us today our daily bread. And so what are the things that you need? Jesus is saying these are the things that we can pray for. And hopefully that gives you some comfort because maybe up until last week you're thinking, all I need to pray, everything about me is praying for God's name to be hallowed, his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it seems like there's nothing that we can pray for for ourselves. But he's saying, no, here you can. It's about praying for the needs that you have. But when you roll it back for a second, wait a second, but we have to distinguish, don't we, between our needs and our wants. Like Sean was saying, I need carrots and broccoli and all that healthy stuff, but I want candy. Is it okay? I mean, Jesus said, give us today our daily bread, not give us today our our daily donuts or cake. And he's right, right? You're right. Because Jesus does not promise that God will bring you prosperity, but he does promise that he will offer you provision. I think that's what the prayer is saying. He will provide, he won't make you prosperous. And I think that's where a lot of times our theology gets mistaken, when we think that God promises that we're going to be rich and have everything that we want. He doesn't. But before we pray these things, before any of these things, Jesus gives this foundational teaching. So Olivia, my wife, is the classroom parent for Manny's kindergarten class at school. And so Mrs. White will every now and then uh, send a a letter uh, to Olivia saying, hey, can you do something for me? And so last week, I think on Monday or Tuesday, Manny was bringing home this big things of of poster and markers. And I went to pick her up and Manny's like lugging this around. And she said, Daddy, Mrs. White wants uh, you guys to make a poster, make a bunch of posters for, you know, shapes and grammar and stuff like that. And so taking it home and it was about Thursday. And probably something you may not know about me is um, I love doing crafty stuff. I like making posters. I like doing... Um, my favorite time during VBS when I was a kid was, was craft time. I like making gingerbread houses and uh, you know, bead stuff, and I, I like doing funny things like that. And so whenever Manny brings something home, uh, I get excited because I feel like I can take part in it. I can relive the glory days of my five-year-old self. And so Thursday, Manny was saying, Daddy, when do these posters, when do we need to take these posters to Miss White? And I said, I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'll email her and ask her. And then she kind of mumbles under her breath. She said, I wish that I could help make the posters. And so I heard that. And I said, Manny, Manny, why don't you ask me? And then her face lights up. And she says, Daddy, do you think I could help to make a poster? I said, of course you can. And she got so excited and she got so happy. I said, all you needed to do was ask. I think a lot of times that's the heart of a father. Before Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done, now hallowed be your, he says, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Now you have to remember that we're praying to a Father in heaven. And he wants to know what you wish for. He wants to know your desires. And you bring that before him and you trust that he's going to answer. If he, if he says no, he says no. But if he says yes, then he says yes. But he wants to hear the desires of your heart. That's what a father wants to do. And I think a lot of times we're walking around wishing for things. And God says, man, if only you would ask. 
James 4, 2 says, you don't have because you don't ask God. Did you know that you can ask your Father in heaven for the things that you want? And yet, it's not going to be your will be done. It will be God's will done. But maybe the reason we don't have is because we don't ask, and we haven't asked. We're afraid to ask. We don't feel good enough to ask. We feel too dirty to ask. We feel like it's too mundane to ask. We're too big to ask. Listen, if it's big enough for us to care about, it's big enough for God to hear about. Anything that concerns my children, any parent will tell you this. If it bothers them, even if it's as small as a hangnail, that father wants to hear. They don't want to see the kid groveling in pain because they think it's too small to ask or because it's too big to ask. Dad, I want a new car. We want to hear these things, and maybe we'll say yes. It's all according to the good, pleasing, perfect will of the Father. But he tells us to ask. That's what it means when he says, give us today our daily bread. It's to pray for the things that our Father wants us to pray for those things that we need. But also, the Father's heart wants us to pray for things that we want, always washing them under the understanding that his will will be done and his name is going to be honored. That's the first thing it means when we say, give us today our daily bread. But what does it mean when we talk about today, our daily bread? The second thing that we see is God wants, our Father wants us to come to him every day to receive what we need. Okay, to come to him every day to receive what we need. You um, have heard our senior pastor, Inky Kim, talk at all, especially recently. He'll say something like this. He'll say, why is it that we need to eat three meals a day? Yeah, and he'll say, because God made us that way. And everyone's like, oh, that's, that's too easy. So why do you need to come to worship every Sunday with your church family? There's the same thing, because God made us that way. There's a certain rhythm in the way that God has made us for maximal effectiveness and enjoyment of life as he's given it to us. And the way that God made us, here's what Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. God wants us to come to him every day to receive from him that which we need. A lot of us come once for the entire week. This is when we come, or Wednesday night is when we come. We come once a week, and this is not the way that God has made us. Give us today our daily bread. I was talking with my mom. She lives in Virginia. I was talking with my folks the other day, and and they're sending us pictures of the snowstorm up there. And on uh, earlier in the week, I was talking with mom, and she said, "Yeah, Dad and I were at uh, I forgot what grocery store they're at. We're buying lots of toilet paper. We're buying lots of bread. We're buying lots of you know these things. Why?" Why are you hoarding all, why are you storing all of this stuff up? Because a storm is going to come. We're not going to be able to get to the place where we need to get our resources. So we're buying a lot of it. That's what we do during times of storms. But that's how a lot of us respond and act when it comes to our relationship with God. We act like we can't get to God during the week or something. We act like God's bakery is going to be closed. And we can't go every day. I mean, one, of the, one of the beauties of, of those who have been to, uh, to Ecuador for missions, especially when, when ministry is in Quito, every morning we'd get to the church, and right next door to the church was this bakery where they would bake fresh bread for like a dime or a quarter. You buy this bread, and it smells delicious. 
And the great thing is when we're on missions, like we are a little bit less selfish. And so one person will go and say, does anyone want anything? And everyone will say, yeah, 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 yeah. And so one person usually buys it for everybody. And we eat it, and we eat it, and we get happy, we get excited, and then the next morning, we go back. We don't buy the week's worth of bread that day. That would be silly. Why? Because we can go back the next day. We can continue to go back. Well, here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, God's bakery for your provision is open every day. It's open every day. And he puts that flashing sign that says hot donuts. And so you can get excited. You can go and you can get your fresh bread that you need. Give us today our daily bread. Here's, the, here's why in Exodus 16, right, or throughout the book of Exodus, you see the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness, right? Wandering around in the wilderness and they needed their bread. Where would they get bread in the midst of a desert? God would provide. And so every morning, right, this stuff called manna would fall to the ground. And they would scoop it up, and God said, get what you need for the day, because tomorrow, fresh manna is going to come on the ground. So get what you need for the day, eat it, and then tomorrow morning, come back and get it. But here's the problem. Some people thought, well, you know what? I'm going to do it all today. While I'm at it, I'm going to get tomorrow's, and the next day's also. I don't have to do work tomorrow. And what happens, Exodus 16, 18 says, when they hoarded up more than is allowed for the day, more than they could eat for the day, It would grow rotten and maggots would infest that manna come the next morning. And so God was teaching them, here's what I want from you, is every day you come to me independent and I will give you what you need for the day. God doesn't want us just to come once a week. He wants us to come daily. You know how much? You know how much he wants to emphasize this point? Have you ever read this and wondered what this means? Give us today our daily bread. Why is he in six words? He says twice daily, today. Because he wants us to do it every day. That's what it means. It's interesting because this word daily shows up only twice in the Bible. It has perplexed the biblical writers. Only in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel where he records the same teaching. Give us today our daily bread. And so people are, were, were wondering, what does that mean? Why does he say today and why does he say daily in the same sentence? They couldn't find other places in which to find what that word means in the Bible. And so archaeologists dug and they found what looked like an ancient shopping list of a housewife who lived in Israel during the time that Jesus was writing. And this shopping list had this word for daily written next to several items. Like daily bread, daily carrots daily meat, whatever it was. And they understood what she was saying, was it means enough for the day. So when Jesus says pray, give us today our daily bread, he's saying, God, our Father, would you give us today what we need for today? Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to go to your Father daily. Why? I'll tell you why. Because this is how we were made. Certain things in life are made to be renewed daily, right? What happens to your cell phone if you don't 
Charge that thing every day. What happens to your body if you don't eat and sleep every day? What happens to your teeth if you don't brush your teeth every day? They degenerate. They deteriorate. And the same thing is true with our relationship with God. Give us today our daily bread. What happens if you go a week without praying? I'll tell you what happens. You know, the the days of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday start over again. These are the days of the week. If we don't pray to God each day, then I think the days of the week begin to look more like Monday becomes mourn day. Tuesday becomes tears day. Wednesday becomes waste day. Thursday is thirst day. Friday is fight day. Saturday is a sadder day. And Sunday becomes sin day. We say seven days makes a week, but seven days without prayer makes us weak. This is how we're made. This is how we're made, is to go to God every day. Give us today our daily bread. My dad used to work for Xerox Corporation, and every, uh, his job was to fix copy machines. Every day he would look on his computer, and they would say, okay, uh, his name, and they would say, you've got to go to these five, seven places. And he would go to a place in Vienna, Virginia, called the Part Drop, where parts of copy machines would be. And he would see what he needs, and he would collect them in, uh, in his car for the day, and then he would go to the places he needed to go. And then the next morning, he would do the same thing. What do I need for the day? And he would receive what he needs to accomplish his purpose for the day. The reason why sometimes we feel so tired, feel so weak, feel so lethargic, feel so stressed, could it be that we're not living the way that we were meant to live? We are made to ask our Father in Heaven today for our daily bread, the strength that we need for that day. He doesn't give us five days' worth of strength today so that we wouldn't have to go to him the next five days. I know a lot of times in here we pray, and I think it's legit to pray, God, bless us, strengthen us this week that we might live for you. That's great as long as it is a symbol of, not a substitution for daily recommitment to God. We pray this week because we don't gather every week. We pray like that this on Sunday for blessing over the week because we don't, we don't see each other every week. But it becomes a reflection of, not a replacement for daily going before the Lord God. Our Father in heaven, he wants us to come every day to receive that which we need. The last thing then that we see, that here's what our Father wants. He wants to move us from selfishness to selflessness. This then is how you should pray. Verse 11, give us Today, our daily bread. Again, twice in six words. Give us our daily bread. Everything about this prayer and everything about life in general, guys. You, I, mean, we're, we're, I hope that if, you, if you're with us long enough, you begin to realize that your relationship with God, while deeply personal, is never private. It is always communal. It is always corporate. Everything about the Christian life is intensely communal. Right? We don't get that because we live in this individualized Western society. What's in it for me? I'm going to do my best. Look out for good old number one. But in the culture in which Jesus is writing, it's a communal culture. Everything is done together. 
But it doesn't make sense when they all say, well, I'm, I'm leaving my church to go to another church, or I, I'm looking out for only myself. They say, no, everything that you do affects other people. And he's saying this pattern prayer that Jesus is teaching is a communal prayer. And everything that you do in this prayer necessarily involves other people. One of my favorite uh, game shows growing up was Wheel of Fortune. It's different now. The way Wheel of Fortune is now is you get all this money if you solve a puzzle, and then you get to keep that money. But the way it was back in the old days is you would get that money, you got $3,700, and they would open up this room, and they would have all of these different prizes with price tags attached to it. And you would just go through the room and say, I would like that trip to Hawaii. I would like that rocking chair. I would like that, that painting of Elvis. I'd like that you know, plant. And they would say, okay, you've got $500 left. You want to put that on gift certificate? Yeah, I'll take a gift certificate. Just go around and you ask for things. And if we don't understand the heartbeat of Jesus in saying, give us our daily bread, then it's going to degenerate into simply being a shopping list where we ask for God whatever it is that we want. What does he mean when he says, give us this day, today, our daily bread? Here's what it means. It means that as much as I pray this prayer for my needs to be met, you guys are praying this prayer for your needs to be met as well. So here I am with my friend. Okay? We both don't have bread today. And so we're sitting outside the curb of a bakery. And we pray to God, both of us. We hold hands and we pray, give us today our daily bread. And the baker comes out and says, y'all, I got two pieces of bread left. Going to give it out because I've had my share. And he gives two pieces to me. What does that mean? Does that mean God answered my prayer for my daily bread? What about this guy, my friend? He has no bread. Did God not answer his prayer? God answered both of our prayers. The extra loaf he gave to me is not for me to store. It's for me to share. Guys, this is intensely corporate prayer. If God gives us something and we could see our brother or sister praying for their needs to be met, and we're just trying to live it up, give it up, do all the things that we want to do with the stuff God's blood. I work for it. This is my hard-earned money. And we keep it from other people. Then we're not living in the spirit of this prayer that Jesus called us to live. One of the best times of my life, hardest times of my life, you see, every, every season of life, I always tell people, it gets better and better. I loved college. I loved seminary. I love being married to Olive. I loved having one kid, love having two. Life gets better and better. It's the way God made it. Beautiful. I always will look fondly on my days in seminary. Four years, 2001 to 2005, not easy. In fact, they were some of the hardest years of my life, but I think that's what makes it good. A lot of times the best years are the hardest years. I learned so much about myself, about life, about ministry, about everything. And I think I learned more outside the classroom than I did inside the classroom. One of the biggest lessons God taught me was that he will always provide for me. He will always provide for me. Unless you come from a wealthy family, seminarian, the word seminarian is usually prefaced by an adjective, poor. So the, kind of the, the perception of seminarians is that they're poor because you're giving a lot of money. You, you're not, you don't have time to work. You don't have a lot of money. And so I remember as I was praying about seminary when I was still up in, back in my home in Virginia, where I should go and how I should go about doing this. The conviction of my heart, and I had been, I'd, I'd raised support before, uh, sent out letters and stuff, but I really felt in my heart, I read Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. He was the first missionary to China who went not to the front, not to the outskirts, but he went inland, right? Hudson Taylor. 
And his, one of his mottos was, I believe that uh, God will use me to move men by God through prayer alone. And I felt like for my seminary days, that's what God was calling me to do, to seek to move men by God through prayer alone. Now, I wasn't going to ask anybody for money. I wasn't gonna, if people ask me how I'm doing, I'm not going to lie to them and say I'm rolling in dough when I'm not. But pray that the Lord would provide. There's a group of fellas that I met with. They were good old boys from the South. Uh, Aaron Collier, Blake Lewis, Bobby West, Chris Hackett. Five of us would meet together. All of us were seminarians. All of us uh, were, relatively speaking, we didn't have a lot. And we'd get together and we would pray. And you know, we'd pray for, for purity. We'd pray for God's protection. We'd pray for God's provision. We'd ask that the Lord would provide for us. And, and he always did. And some of these guys, uh, one of my boys worked at uh, the Borders Bookstore Cafe, Another worked at the RTS bookstore. Uh, they worked. At, one was a TA at the seminary. They worked all kinds of weird jobs. And sometimes uh, my dinners would be I would I would make a ham and cheese sandwich and eat uh, Campbell's soup, right? Soup and, and sandwich, my style. You pick two. Right? <laughs> what kind of sandwich I want to make? Ham, cheese, or ham and cheese? If I want to splurge, that was, that was what I ate. And the Lord would provide for me though. I never went hungry never had anything that I needed, and people within our church were constantly blessing me with either meals or, or provision or walking alongside of me. And at the end of every month, I knew that the, the guys had it hard, but at the end of every month, as I looked at my budget, and I still budget to this day in an Excel spreadsheet, but I looked at my budget, and if there was some money left over, at the end of every month, I would take these guys out. We would eat. Sometimes it would be McDonald's. <laughs> Sometimes it was Fazoli's. But somewhere... And they would always be so thankful, always be so grateful. Hey, guys, God has given me a lot. And it wouldn't be right for me not to, I didn't say that, but I thought that. I said, no, you guys are my brothers. I don't want to do this. It's my pleasure. God answered. And I was used by God to be the answer to the prayers of these four people. Not that I understood this prayer, but because I just felt like it was what God was calling me to do we mean when we pray give us today our daily bread god doesn't give us extra so that we can store it up for some time when someone here is in need of it now that's why we encourage generosity and to bless other people and and some of you guys are amazing at it i think we have amongst the most generous people that i know but when someone is praying give us today our daily bread i don't think god is i don't think god is not answering our prayers I think it's here. It's just we, we, need to, we need to open up our hands. This prayer moves us from being selfish and self-centered. It's all about me to looking outward. I've been using this man a lot in illustrations. I don't agree with his theology, but, I, but some of the life stories that he tells are amazing. There's a pastor named Tony Campola, and he was invited to speak at this women's gathering one day. There's 300 women there, and before he was a being introduced to, to speak, the, the president of that woman's uh, gathering, said, we have just received an emergency letter from a missionary. And she read the letter and said, there's an urgent need for $4,000. And she said, before you speak, Brother Campolo, would you uh, pray that God would meet this need? And he said, no, I'm not going to pray for that. And she was a little bit taken aback. He's very outspoken. Said, uh, I beg your pardon? Said, no, I'm not going to pray for that. I'm not going to pray for the provision, but here's what I'm going to do. I believe that God has put it in our hearts. There's 300 of us here. I'm going to empty out my pocket first, and I believe that after we all give, that God's going to provide that need. 
you know, start first. He pulled, he said he was happy, he only had $15 in his pocket. So he gave the $15 and he looked at her and she felt a little bit uncomfortable. She took out her purse and dropped in $40 and then they went around and one by one people came up and they gave the money that they, it was before the days of credit cards and stuff where nobody had cash. People had cash and they started dropping it into that basket. And at the end, over $4,000 was raised. And so this is what he said. Okay, he said, now I'm going to pray. Not for provision, but I'm going to thank God that the provision was already here. I'm going to thank God that we responded to meet that need. Sometimes prayer is not even that spiritual. It's about opening up our wallet, our checkbook, and saying, listen, I have the answer to somebody's prayer. I can do this. Every word in this prayer, in this line, give represents grace. We don't deserve it. We're just asking for grace. Us, our, intensely communing. Today, this day, daily. We got to go to him every day. Bread, our needs, our desires. Filtered through the hand of a father who loves us. Give us today our daily bread. This is amazing to me. This imagery of bread is so powerful. It comes up so often. You know the word Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, means the house of bread, right? Beth means house. Anytime you see Beth in the Bible, Bethel, right? Bethany means the house. Bethlehem. You go to Panera, you ask for lehem. <laughs> That's bread. Bethlehem, bread. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Later, he would feed 4,000 people to show them. And then as he's debriefing that time, he stands in front of that group of people and he says, I am the bread of life. As much as you need bread to live, you need me. Matthew 4, 4, I think Jesus says, listen, check it here, okay? You need bread, but you do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is how important bread is. Then on the last night of Jesus' life, to demonstrate the love that he would show his people, he stood up and he picks up bread. He said, this is my body, broken for you. In order for bread to be any good to anybody, it has to be broken. How is it that we can receive the bread from heaven when we pray, give us today our daily bread? How is it that we can have a Father in heaven who is that amazing, even though we are this puny and sinful and small? Because the Father sent the true bread from heaven. Bread of life came and was broken so that we could feed off of He was broken for our sins. He was rejected as the only begotten Son in order that we could be brought in as daughters and sons of our Father in heaven. Jesus paid the price. Not for us to come once a week. Not for us just to be fearful and stand on the fringes, but he paid the price so that we could enter fully in and say, our Father, I don't just want carrots and broccoli. I want candy and all that I need. And our Father says it. Only if you would ask, give us today our daily bread. Let's pray.
as we respond to God's word, I think there's a lot that we can respond to as you just think about and take apart this phrase, give us today our daily bread. Are you the kind of person who feels like, I can't bring that before God? It's too big, it's too little. Our Father reminds us, hey, you don't have because you don't ask. Just ask. I'm not scary. You are a dearly beloved child of mine. Maybe others of us, we need to pray that God would give us a disciplined habit of going before God every day to pray for the strength that we need. Maybe that simple story of what the days of the week look like reflect you. You thirst throughout the week. You mourn throughout the week. You're sadder throughout the week. Set aside a time, 10 in the morning, 10 at night. Whatever rhythm works for you, pray daily, pray, pray. Praying people will change the world. Praying people have their worlds changed by God. Maybe you feel like as you pick apart your prayer life, you realize, man, I've been so selfish. And God has put in you what you need in order to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Whether it be somebody that you know Maybe for some of us, we're holding so tightly to our stuff, we don't want to give to the church, to our church, to a ministry, to a people that has blessed you with life and with hope, and you're clinging to it. God's will is for us to give generously, sacrificially. And I'm not... Again, I'm not trying to get my hand into your pocket because that has nothing to do with me. But I want you to live in the freedom that comes from living in the center of God's will and living in generosity. Know the blessing when someone says thank you for giving to the Lord. I want you to know that blessing. That's part of discipleship. Is to allow God to touch the places where we're most guarded, we're most defensive. we would kneel before the cross and then from that place we would decide if God wants us to open our hands or to keep them closed for ourselves and for the people that we just are comfortable giving to. We can't pray the Lord's Prayer without being taken outside of ourselves. Can we pray for a minute or two right now? Commitment. Don't let this just be a teaching. This moment, this minute can change your life and enter you into a new path of life where your life is different because of what you decide in prayer right now. Let's pray. God, here and now, I I make this commitment and I may fall, but I want to commit. For as long as I live in faithfulness to my commitment, I will see more of you and I will grow. Father, help me. Let's pray for a minute or two and then After that, I'll pray for us and we'll continue to worship.
Father in heaven, we're not uh, changed because we know the word. We're changed when we live out your word. We're not changed because Jesus remained the son of God in heaven. But we found life when the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. The world will not be changed. Lives will not be changed. We will not be changed simply by knowing what this prayer teaches. But we will be changed and we will bring change through humble repentance as we align our lives with the will of God. So help us to know the lasting joy of living for you. Open our hands freely, our hearts freely, so that others might live, that others might be blessed. Help us. Teach us, mold us, train us so that we might be more like Jesus and reflect you to our world. In Jesus' name we pray.